0: Green alleys have been around a while, yet they are not common. What a great concept to use areas of cities that are generally considered unpleasant and dirty and turn them into inviting areas that continue to function for deliveries and the like, but that are also public spaces that have important functions to filter and control runoff from storm waters. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Green alleys are a reality in some U.S. cities like Dubuque, Iowa, Roswell, Georgia, and South Park, California. And now a city in central Texas is considering a proposal to convert existing alleys into green alleys. You've heard Sarah Simpson before on Mothering Earth talking about sustainable housing. Simpson assembled a team and developed an initiative to bring green alleys to San Marcos, Texas. My guests are two members of the team, Lisa Arsenault, an environmental engineer, and Aspen Navarro, Watershed Services Program Coordinator at the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment. They're here to tell you about green alleys and how they can be a vital tool in filtering impurities in stormwater and in controlling the flow of those waters, which mitigates flooding. The first person you'll hear is Lisa Arsenault.
1: It goes back a little further than that in that it goes back to green and gray infrastructure and how we manage stormwater. Gray infrastructure in terms of gray pipe that you'll see in the ground, versus green infrastructure, which is using nature and infiltration and absorption and biofiltration and treatment. So the green alley is um, is simply taking a, an impervious cover, such as asphalt or concrete, and changing it so that it is a durable hard surface that can be still used as an alley for deliveries and trash trucks, but it behaves like a green grassy field. And that it infiltrates stormwater and it treats stormwater and it creates a nicer place for people to be
0: alleys generally have a dark and dangerous reputation um, but that was not always the case apparently so can you give us a little uh, history of alleys and how they've changed over the years lisa i
1: i can Um, i learned this from my friend sarah who put uh, together the history of the alleys in the green alley initiative and apparently alleys date all the way back to Greek civilization, and they were a vital part of the urban network of streets. They served as like a secondary grid of streets where people could come and go behind their offices or their homes and not have all the busy traffic on the, like, as on the primary streets. But then here, um, and you'll see that too in in our alley system, which was built back in the 1800s. You know, it's a, It's a behind-the-scenes grid of streets. Then in the 1930s, um, they were kind of banned from use downtowns because they were perceived as dangerous. And, you know, if you think about some of the mystery books and things of dark alleys is where the the bad things happen and uh, dark and dangerous. So I guess the federal housing policy in the 1930s just banned them altogether from being built downtowns. And then you top that off with the 1960s when urban sprawl became real popular and people were moving away from the downtown areas into these winding road subdivisions that are really geared towards automobiles and traffic. Um, Then alleys just kind of faded away. But I have to say they are definitely coming back into style. And when we see a lot of cluster type, type development nowadays with cottage homes and small homes you'll see the alleys going behind their um, their homes and people can drive up the alley and park in their carports and they get their trash picked up from that alley so they're making a big comeback and we were wanting to see the alleys that have been so steady there in San Marcos since the 1800s we're wanting to let them come back nice and strong
0: you're listening to mothering earth i'm salwa khan and i'm here today with lisa Arsenault. she's an environmental engineer in san marcos texas and aspen navarro watershed services program coordinator at the meadows center for water and the environment and the project uh, that you are working on is called the green alley initiative and it focuses on the city of San Marcos in Texas. For those who don't know uh, Aspen, can you tell us about San Marcos?
2: Um, It's located in between Austin and San Antonio in central Texas, right along the I-35 corridor. Um, The population in 2021 was a little bit over 68,000 people. And I personally, and I may be a little biased, but I think San Marcos is a place for everybody. You have, um, you know, the college Texas State University, which is the fifth largest university in Texas, and then we actually have a really massive senior population as well, too. San Marcos has been deemed as a beautiful area to retire. We have Texas Hill Country. Um, it's one of the oldest inhabited sites in the Americas, from the Clovis Indians to Texas settlers and um, having the hill country and the greenery always draws people in, but the biggest draw is the San Marcos River, which flows through Texas State campus and then all the way down to the Blanco River. So a lot of people, tourists, college kids, um, and you know residents and community members are drawn to the 72-degree San Marcos River, um, which is always 72 degrees for those who don't know. So it's... Right now, it would be like a hot tub in the wintertime, and then in the summertime, it's very cool and refreshing. Um, But what's really special about the river, and something that a lot of people don't know, um, who come outside to visit—you know, tourism and stuff like that—tourists who come outside and um, from the San Marcos region to visit, they don't know how critical the San Marcos River is. Um, We have several endangered and threatened species, some of them that are endemic, which means you can't find them anywhere else in the world. And because of those critical species, the San Marcos River is actually a designated um, critical habitat by the United States Fish and Wildlife Service and Texas Parks and Wildlife as well. So the upper portion, which is about 4.5 miles, um, is the portion that's protected completely for those threatened and endangered species. So um, it's really important, not only that we preserve and we're mindful of the water we're using and how we're building around the river. Um, it's important to sustain that and make sure we're being mindful for not only the you know, critical species, but also so it's a resource that people can continue to use for years and
1: years to come.
0: So uh, what is the aim, Lisa, of the Green Alleys Initiative and how does that relate to water?
1: Well, Aspen said it perfectly. Um, the aim is to reduce the impervious cover in the downtown area, because right now it's almost 100% impervious cover and it's located directly and near the San Marcos River. It's directly upstream and near the San Marcos River. So currently, the when it rains, you get a lot of runoff from downtown. All that impervious cover leads to a lot of runoff. And it's very uh, filthy. I've sampled it before. It's very nasty. So the purpose is to um, is to recreate those alleys so that they don't act as a source of runoff anymore, but they act as a source of infiltration, and the stormwater runoff is infiltrated and treated prior to entering the San Marcos River.
0: How many alleys are there in San Marcos that would be affected? We could say up
1: to 16 could be affected, and that would that would give us a lot of. Uh, of infiltration coverage, uh, about two and a half acres worth of uh, reconverted converted uh, surface that would then allow infiltration. That's what's in our Green Alley initiative. We gave everybody a fair shake and, and inventoried and described them all. Um, but in reality, it might boil down to a few less, a few or less than that.
2: But I think it's important to emphasize too that the city already has plans to retrofit the alleys. And so, where Green Alley came, you know, the Green Alley Initiative came into play was hey, this is something the city's already planning to do. It's in their scope and it's something they're going to plan to budget for. So, why not make that project more sustainable, more environmentally conscious as well?
0: You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan and I'm here today with Lisa Arsenault, environmental engineer in San Marcos, Texas, and Aspen Navarro. Watershed Services Program Coordinator at the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment. Uh, and we're talking about the Green Alley Initiative. So, uh, Aspen, what are these alleys like right now? So, in San Marcos, Texas, the
2: current alleys, we would say, are heavily underperforming or um, even deemed unsafe. The alleys have, you know, either potholes or just asphalt kind of breaking down, um, poor lighting kind of going back to the alley, you know, the kind of history of alleys being deemed as unsafe and that's where the poor lighting comes in. That you know, also, um, not being heavily used. So you don't have a lot of foot traffic or other people in the alleyways with you because a lot of businesses currently aren't activating that part of the alleyway. Um, also, really the main thing that alleys are used for in San Marcos now would be for um, utilities, like, or accessing for deliveries, whether it be for businesses or also for like trash service as well too. Um, So the only exception to this right now is Kissing Alley in San Marcos. It's kind of like the the shining star of all of our alleys right now. And it's a really great model because there's light you know, good lighting there. A lot of people actually use it. There's a huge art mural, um, that is kind of the staple that a lot of people like to take a photo of if They come and visit San Marcos or if they're a resident, um, it's activated with, you know, events that happen. You can even rent the alley out too. So the city will, will do that from time to time and, um, even make a commission off of that as well. So, um, all in all though, the alleys collectively are underperforming and have a lot of potential for growth.
0: Okay, so we just talked about what those alleys look like now. Um, so Lisa, can you describe what a green alley would look like? What might we find there?
1: Well, just about the opposite of what they look like now. Um, similar to what kissing alleys are already starting to look like, you'll have primarily, the surface of the alley will be changed from asphalt to a permeable surface. Most likely, permeable interlocking concrete pavers. These are very durable. They can withstand up to 10,000 PSI. You know, I've even seen tanks being driven down permeable interlocking concrete pavers. So first off, the surface of the alley will change because that's where we'll get a lot of the environmental benefit. But then on top of that, You just add all kinds of other things, the lighting, the artwork, the rainwater collection cisterns on the side to catch roof runoff, planter boxes, green walls, just with vines growing up and down like a a vertical surface. You can bring in native plants and potting, you know, and potted uh, planters and watered with the cistern water. That's just an unlimited amount of of things that can be added to make the alley greener and greener and greener. Um, The pavers themselves lend the alley a really quaint look like the European towns and you have this upgrade in the surface for real from asphalt to pavers right there is the upgrade. So the downtowns look better. The downtown alley system is appealing to people to want to come and spend time there. But then all the other features that go with that just create a very nice public space.
0: You're listening to and enjoying Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. Today, we're introducing you to the concept of green alleys with my guests, Lisa Arsenault, an environmental engineer, and Aspen Navarro. Watershed Services Program Coordinator at the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment. Along with Sarah Simpson, an earlier guest on Mothering Earth, they are the driving force behind an effort to convert alleys in San Marcos, Texas, to green alleys, city spaces that filter rainwater runoff through permeable pavers and that invite people in. We need people like Simpson, Arsenault, and Navarro, who dedicate time and effort to improving the built and natural environment in which we live. Our mission at Mothering Earth is to bring you stories of people like them who are taking action in order to create a more sustainable world. And we need your help to spread the word. So please tell people you know about Mothering Earth. Ask them to listen and subscribe on any podcast platform. Back to our interview. We've heard about how the permeable pavers in a green alley would filter the rainwater. But why is that better than what happens now in alleys? So what happens now when it rains in those alleys?
2: Yeah, so I think the best way to imagine what happens currently is think about it raining and that water droplet that hits the roof is gonna work its way down to the gutter system and down to the lowest point. So it'll eventually hit the ground. But what happens is if there is pavement, like asphalt or concrete, anything that's impermeable, which means that water is not gonna be able to soak in to the concrete or the asphalt or whatever it may be, it ends up becoming runoff, rainwater runoff, and it just flows over the surface of those impermeable surfaces, and it makes its way downstream. What's dangerous about runoff, and especially if you live in Central Texas and you're very familiar with Flash Flood Alley, is the more impermeable surfaces you have, the more runoff that is being collected, the more runoff that's not infiltrating into the soil, and then the more runoff that's ending up downstream and wreaking havoc downstream. So that can cause erosion. It can pick up pollutants along the way, such as the infamous dog poop (laughs) that people don't pick up. Mm Um, And anything from, you know, dog poop to trash, whatever is in runoffs path, it's going to pick it up until it reaches the nearest downstream water body. So that's exactly what happens in San Marcos alleys. Um, Downtown is primarily uh, imperme- you know, impermeable surfaces. So a lot of the time when it rains, those water droplets that are coming off the roof or coming into the parking lots are just picking up anything in its tracks and then making its way downstream.
0: Lisa, how, how would a green alley change that that whole process that Aspen just described?
1: Well, it's um, the main thing it would do is for the surfaces, it would not have runoff for those surfaces that the rainfalls hitting on a green alley it would not run off it would infiltrate the surface of uh, permeable interlocking concrete pavers has an infiltration rate of up to 100 to 300 inches per hour and even as they become more conditioned that rate might drop to 30 inches per hour but that's still an incredibly high infiltration rate so the water simply disappears it's just like magic uh, the pavement on interlocking concrete pavers only appears damp. It never appears shiny or puddly. It just appears damp. The most important part is under the surface of the pavers lies a one and a half to two foot layer of gravel, which is an open base, we call it. It's compacted, but it's angular gravel. And the void capacity in the gravel is up to 30 to 40%. So once the water infiltrates through the surface of the pavers, it's collected in the, that gravel layer. And that's where the treatment occurs, and that's where the holding of the water occurs. So it's not all just rushing away, but it's going into like an infiltration pipe and slowly discharged at a controlled rate with a cap on that infiltration pipe that's got a smaller hole in it. So it's all an engineered structure underneath the surface. and it's holding and slowing down the water and it's not just letting the water have its way it's giving the water a place to be like a field would have so Mm. runoff from the roof can be directed to that in that under drain system of gravel and then the direct rainfall can be directed to that and all of that gets held and treated and released slowly a lot of times after the rain has occurred so and it, it's released clean. It's not dirty. It's not, um, it's not full of sediment and phosphorus and nitrogen. It's a clean discharge.
0: You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I'm here today with Lisa Arsenault, environmental engineer in San Marcos, Texas, and Aspen Navarro Watershed Services Program Coordinator at the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment. And um, Aspen, can green alleys include capturing rainwater in tanks? I understand that the water is being collected in these pavers, but are there additional ways to collect water there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, the main things people think about when they think about rainwater collection or, you know, rainwater cisterns is these massive tanks and barrels and a lot of people don't know that they actually come in all shapes and sizes. And for green alleys, especially, you can use a slimline barrel. So it's skinnier, um, you don't need a a huge tank, but it still is able to capture and divert runoff. Um, And the perks to using that as well too, is if you include some of the vegetative features that Lisa had mentioned prior, like planters or raised beds, Um, biofiltration, whatever um, you decide, you can actually use the rainwater cistern collected water for irrigating those native grasses. So not only would you conserve water and you don't have to use completely potable water, um, you can use the reuse water, but you're also reducing the amount of runoff as well
1: that's being collected.
0: Lisa, what is the value of permeable pavers over asphalt?
1: There's There's quite a few improvements over asphalt when you use permeable pavers. Primarily, the pavers are permeable. The the permeable interlocking concrete pavers allow water to infiltrate and to be treated, whereas asphalt, the water runs off. Second, the pavers allow that water sometimes to evapotranspirate back up out of the paver during a sunny day, so you have a cooling effect of water coming back out of the pavers. Um, that causes them to be cooler. The pavers themselves are lighter in color, and they have more reflectivity, so they don't absorb as much heat. So you reduce the heat island effect downtown. Pavers can capture and hold water that can be reused later or just treated and sent on its way. Asphalt does not do that. Pavers are stronger than asphalt they require less maintenance even though you'll hear people say they require more maintenance but with permeable pavers you never have to do any type of sealant on them you don't have to fill potholes you don't have to put crack seal in any type of cracks there's no mill and overlay project that has to occur within five to ten years the pavers last and last and last and last Um, that's why you see so many pavers still in europe they are very strong so pavers went over asphalt, hands down, in just about every way. I, I can't think of any advantage of asphalt over pavers, except that it's cheaper per square foot. And for large, massive highway systems, of course, you know, you have to go with something like that. But for a downtown alley network, the pavers look better, they perform better, and they'll bring a whole lot of ecological benefit in an in the area of downtown that's right above the San Marcos River.
0: What kind of lighting would we find in an alley? You know, we were talking earlier about alleys being dark places.
2: So um, lighting can take on a bunch of different formats, um, not only just for alleys, but for anywhere. But for alleys specifically, adding light helps make the environment safer. It adds um, also a safer element, not just for You feeling safe walking down an alley, but also for um, delivery trucks and workers that are using the alley for um, services as well. Um, And adding overall visibility. So, one thing to keep in mind though with lighting is to try to be or trying not to be as super invasive. Um, You know, keeping in mind that there is wildlife that can be, um, you know, impacted by lighting um, during the nighttime. But also there's ways to add in lighting that isn't a ma- major drain to an energy source. So thinking about solar, anything that's LED certified, um, making sure that it's dark sky compliant as well, um, anything to help minimize the energy draw.
0: Lisa, you'd mentioned earlier planting uh, native plants in alleys. Um, how does, why, why would we do that? Uh, you know, what are, what are the benefits to that aspen?
2: First and foremost, I'll say you should plant native plants wherever you are, but a lot of people um, don't know that native plants require less maintenance, less upkeep, um, and especially less water as well too. They're adapted to that area. So it's important to keep that in mind. It also provides habitat for wildlife as well too. Uh, There's so many health benefits too to adding more into more of the natural environment into the built environment that we continue to expand on and um, one thing that i think a lot of people don't realize is you know that's like an added mental health benefit too there's been a lot of research that shows that especially during the pandemic you know that we're still in but you know peak pandemic when everything was closed down a lot of studies came out about the outdoors being a crucial benefit to you know, your, your mental health and well-being, So I think that's also an, another thing that we need to keep in mind too. And also making places a little bit more natural that we've, you know, just kind of come in and, you know, took everything out and being more mindful to keep things as natural as possible. If we don't have to disrupt it, why, why would we?
0: You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I'm here with Lisa Arsenault, environmental engineer in San Marcos, Texas, and Aspen Navarro. Watershed Services Program Coordinator at the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment. And uh, we were just talking about uh, how these alleys can become actually beautiful, welcoming uh, spaces. So what kinds of activities do you think uh, that, that, you know, might happen there now that they're a much nicer place to be
2: going back to kissing alley it's a public space that's uh, actively being accessed through walkability um, service vehicles but also concerts and the city has done cute little like wine walks that connect people to downtown it brings people in together but it also connects people to nearby businesses um we've even i think i've had a couple weddings in kissing alley too (laughs) again it is a rental space so people can use it for any event that they want as long as it's available um, we've had pop-up vendors live music i mean the possibilities are really endless but i think in terms too of a, a business which is super important because there's a lot of businesses in downtown and it's important to keep businesses in mind when revamping any space that's gonna um, be directly associated with a business but Alleys can be used to enhance a business, um, especially if they're in the nearby or right next to adjacent to the alleys. So some businesses have started to plug alley activity into what they do as well. A lot of the alleys in San Marcos actually have massive, beautiful murals, and a lot of them, too, tie into the local culture of San Marcos and the city has also done a really cool project with um, Sally the salamander. Our um, San Marcus salamander is one of our critical species, and it's one of our endemic species too. You can't find it anywhere else. And so on the storm drains, as you're walking through the city, um, whether it be on Texas State property or, or city property, the storm drains actually have Sally the salamander on there. And um, on the, wow. the drain as well, there is a message saying, remember your friends in the river. So it's a way to kind of remind people that, hey, what ends up here flows down to the river. And um, if anything, also it, it kind of beautifies the, this drain system as well too. And I think it plugs people into even the education aspect of like, oh, what are our storm drains? Where do they go? Um, how can I be better stewards as well too?
0: Green alleys have a lot to offer in how they can help control flooding, filter water into nearby waterways, and be pleasant local places where you can go to hear music or even to get married. The city of Dubuque, Iowa has been developing green alleys for several years, as have the cities of South Park, California and Roswell, Georgia. There may be other places as well, perhaps in your neighborhood. As the world becomes more crowded, it's more important to use the land available in environmentally friendly ways while still serving the needs of people. Green alleys are one way to do just that. Thanks so much for listening. Please tell people you know about the Mothering Earth podcast. Leave us a review on your podcast platform. Mothering Earth is also on Instagram at mothering underscore earth, and on Facebook at Mothering Earth Pod. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news.